Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out Swiss and European fintech scene, aiming to inspire entrepreneurs to launch their new ventures and connect them with incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. There are many potential entrepreneurs that are thinking about launching their new ventures, but many don't know where to start. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate Fintech ecosystem so you can get started more easily. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we are in London at Founders Factory and we're joined by my friend Kelvin that I worked with at HSBC many, many years ago and at Credit Suisse. Welcome, Kelvin. Thanks very much for having me, Rudy. Kelvin, so you obviously started in investment banking and then you transitioned to tech investing and then now you're heading ventures at the Founders Factory in London. So can you tell us a bit more about your background and your journey? How did you get here? Yeah, so I first started uh, kind of my technology journey uh, when I first studied computer science at Imperial College London. And I always thought that I would be the naturally gifted programmer and, and build a billion dollar business. But, uh, but I've quickly realized that I wasn't naturally gifted and I decided to go down the more commercial route within technology. And that was when I first you know, met, met you, Rudy, and at XSBC and, and Credit Suisse, uh, focusing on technology M&A and, I, and IPOs. But I quickly realized that also through the era of the financial crisis uh, where uh, Lehman collapsed and a lot of the large cap deals fell to pieces, that the smaller cap and the uh, startup ecosystem uh, was definitely growing a lot and is becoming much more interesting back then as well. So that was my first exposure to the startup ecosystem uh, where I started covering VCs as well as their portfolio companies. And that was also when I first started angel investing and I found my interest in investment because uh, as opposed to banking where you only advise companies uh, on transactions, I very much wanted to remain involved through the process after tr- after the transaction, right? So looking after the companies, whether that's through the integration, but also operating through the companies as well. So that was when I moved onto the investing side with DFJ at Draper Esprit, as they've rebranded now, and to focus on uh, European technology investments. And through the years within the VC, it's, it's been great. And it's one of the best jobs that, that I have had, in all honesty. But I felt that, you know, sitting on people's boards and giving them high-level strategic advice across different things and making fantastic introductions into corporates is great fun and you learn a lot. But I was thinking to myself, you know, if I was doing that anyway and giving advice to a number of different entrepreneurs, uh, why can't I do that myself? And at the same time, I felt, especially in terms of operating as such early stage ventures, without operating experience, sometimes I feel uh, I wasn't adding as, as much value as I could because I haven't been on the ground zero. I haven't been there and done that, so to speak. So I decided uh, to join where one of the startups, which I seed funded uh, back in the day, to essentially become their MD, initially leading their international expansion. And most recently, uh, before I left, uh, took on the CFO and COO responsibilities. All right. So now we are at Founders Factory. So can you explain to people what does Founders Factory do? What does that really mean? I mean, are you uh, making founders here? like in the factory, like they make cars, or how, do, how does mm-hmm. that work? Sure, sure. So Founders Factory, we are a global incubator and accelerator backed by corporates. So if I just roll back a little bit, when we first started around four and a half years ago, the original thesis was you know, there's no reason why corporates and startups 
can't coexist. In fact, they should and should mutually benefit each other very much, right? But it's just that in the past history, we hadn't really seen a sustainably successful corporate venture and business model that has worked, you know, apart from the likes of, let's say, Google Ventures or Intel Capital, who are very much sophisticated in their own right. But if you're talking about the more traditional corporates, they really have minimal clue in terms of how to innovate. And so we're trying to set up a format or a, uh, let's say, a platform uh, so that corporates and startups can actually mutually benefit. And also, hopefully, during the journey of building startups, everybody will be having fun as well. When was Founders Factory founded and, and by whom? Founders Factory was founded, as I said, about four and a half years ago in 2015, uh, founded by Brent Hoberman and Henry Lane Fox. Um, as many of you may, may know, Brent uh, was one of the co-founders of LastMinute.com, where he uh, led the business to, to IPO and eventually the $1.1 billion exit. And since then, he obviously have founded a number of different, let's say, startup initiatives, including Founders Forum and quite a few other kind of ecosystems around the founders and startup networks. So who are your corporate partners or corporate sponsors? Yeah, so right now in the UK, so we first started in, in, in London, uh, we are backed by eight corporate partners right now uh, in, in the UK. So for example, uh, most recently we onboarded Marks & Spencer's for our retail protocol. We also have Aviva for FinTech, uh, Holtspring for, for EdTech, uh, L'Oreal for Beauty, EasyJet for travel. We have Guardian for media, um, as well as a Chinese conglomerate called CSC for our AI and big data vertical. We are about to launch our consumer products vertical uh, over the next few months. Can you describe the Founders Factory services to startups? Yeah, so we, we are very uniquely positioned, actually. You know, when I first came across Founders Factory, I always thought we are just you know, one of the many accelerator or incubator programs um, that's available to startup founders. But, but actually, when I looked a little bit more deeper into it, we actually have a number of USPs, which I would say, you know, we're not doing our best job in terms of publicizing those, but, but we definitely should. So, you know, I think one uh, key benefit, at least uh, to startups, is because we're corporate-backed, which means that for a very early stage founder or company, uh, we can very easily give you access to blue-chip partnerships. For example, if you want to launch a pilot or POC uh, com commercially with a large cap corporate, we'll be able to help you navigate the different stakeholders within those corporates, within our network and outside of our network, in order for you to, to test and validate your product very quickly. And in terms of the corporates, the benefits to them is obviously ability and opportunity to be exposed to talent, to innovation, where otherwise they wouldn't be able to get access to. So I think, you know, this is it's definitely a mutual, mutually beneficial program for both startups and corporates. The other key USP, which I feel is, is kind of market leading, is that at Founders Factory, we very much believe in helping at the early stage founders and startups by rolling up our sleeves properly, right? So within London here, we have a team of uh, 70 people uh, within the operating team uh, who will be dedicated to help our startup founders accelerate and grow their business. So what I mean by that is, for example, the team that I run, we head up uh, investments and ventures, which means that, let's say, in half the time, I and my team uh, will be helping uh, all of the companies within the portfolio to get funding into the bank. Right, so that's probably all the way from making sure that you have the right investment narrative, 
the right materials, including pitch deck, financial model, making sure that your cap table makes sense, obviously making the right instructions to, to important in, in investors, even pitch training for meetings or on stage, all the way through to term sheet review. So, so obviously that's um, a little bit more than just giving high-level advice, but we are very much on the ground zero with uh, all of our startup founders. But that's just one, let's say, unit or function within a company, right? Uh, we have a similar setup across the various business functions, including biz dev, uh, product, data science, engineering, growth, marketing, PR, talent, legal, where we can essentially propel some of our staff around the teams uh, within the startups, essentially to be an extension of their teams. Fair enough. So how does your selection of the startups work? Uh, what do you need to do to get into the program? Yeah, good good question. So, you know, as with any accelerator programs or even theses, you know, we have our sourcing channels. Obviously, that includes both inbound and outbound, as well as referrals and, and introductions. I think one of the key things that we look for at, at such an early stage is obviously founder quality. People know that anything can happen uh, with early stage startups, especially when we're focusing big efforts on pre-seed to seed companies. So I actually just want to say that I would say uh, half of our portfolio are pre-seed to seed and the other half is pretty much seed extension to series A. And so a big part of our focus is focused on very, very early stage companies. And with those companies, when it's obviously pre-revenues, a lot of the times even pre-product, we very much rely on as uh, founder screening and the quality of the founding teams to deliver the the, the vision or the or the or the business model that they're planning to do. So a lot of the work and a lot of the screening uh, evaluation uh, focuses around the founding teams. But how does that screening work? Do you go through databases? Do you go to conferences, or do you go through the networks of the people who work at the founders factory? Is it a combination of uh, human and AI, or or what is it? Good question is pretty much all, all of the above. Uh, we are actually currently uh, trying to build a more systematic way to source and screen uh, founders and teams, actually. But I think if we take, if we roll back to, let's say, the more traditional approach, uh, one of the key things that we look for is whether the founders or the founding team has the right quality to take the business to the next level, right? So whether that's um, they're attacking a large enough market opportunity or they have some kind of an edge. We screen for technical or domain edge expertise um, in, in their respective fields, as well as you know if they did have had any uh, traction or previous experience um, or, or at least some progress with what they're building right now, um, then we'll obviously look for those as well. Obviously, we are in London, but uh, I've noticed that you're also expanding to other countries. So uh, you open an office in Paris. Can you tell us a bit more about this? And are there any plans to expand further? Absolutely. So again, if I roll back a little bit more, uh, our first international location was actually Johannesburg in South Africa. And that was towards the end, of, the end of last year. And one of the main reasons why we picked that location you know, is, is twofold. Well, one was an opportunity came up. Uh, in terms of the teams, in terms of a corporate partner who are very keen to exploit and leverage such a accelerated and incubator business model. So we're exploring that region quite actively anyway. Um, but we also realized that in South, South Africa, the startup and the entrepreneur's ecosystem is still very nascent, right? which means there's massive potential. In that, in that territory, it's really mainly run by the likes of 
let's say NASPERS um, and some of the large internet groups. Um, but I think you know there are much more to be done uh, in, in that in that country. In terms of other international locations, as you mentioned, uh, most recently we launched in Paris for France. Uh, we believe that France, you know, as a startup ecosystem, is very rich, and there's a ton of opportunity there. But also, as more like a beachhead into continental Europe. So obviously, you know, UK is a relatively big market within startups and venture capital, and of course, you know, it's relatively easy access to to Europe, but is is even better if we're even based in continental Europe, right? So, so I think the the, the the French expansion is is fantastic for us for us to expand in that country, but also in the continent. Over the next actually three to six months, we are definitely uh, already in discussions with launching other international locations. Can't really say where yet, but we will probably go west and go east. Of course, you know you have to make sure that either Zurich or Geneva are on the map. Absolutely. <laughs> Do you also cooperate with other incubators and accelerators or do you see them as competition or how does that work or other partners or other actors in the ecosystem? Mm-hmm. Sure. We, we, we definitely don't see the other accelerator or incubators as competition. I think the, the, the thesis has always been collaborative and you know, it's, it's, it's a big industry, it's a big ecosystem and that's why you know, when Brent first started uh, Founders Factory, it was on the basis that we're helping the whole ecosystem, right? Bridging the whole startup ecosystem to corporates and, of course, leveraging the founders network. We haven't had the opportunity, actually, to collaborate with other accelerator programs yet, but we have had in the past where we share deal, share deal flow, uh, where we uh, participate in different competitions or, or judging panels and, and, and indeed, co-running workshops. But we haven't, let's say, co-invested or co-managing certain startups onto our programs. And similarly with other VCs, you don't co-invest with them? Do you go with your corporate partners on, on your own or you, you, you partner up with others? Because, of course, you know, if when you have a round, there's, there's more investors there. So do you have a preferred VC network that you work with? We definitely partner up a lot with the whole investment community because, you know, as, as one of my team's main remit is obviously to get uh, funding for our startups. Uh, we need a very good network of investors all the way from uh, angels to institutional VCs. So I know that you organize networking events at Founders Factory in London. Uh, can you tell people about what, what these are like? We actually have a number of different initiatives uh, in terms of events and, let's say, uh, groups of like-minded people uh, to brainstorm or explore different ideas uh, with, with and without, without uh, Founders Factory. Um, for example, we host uh, once or twice a year uh, Investor Showcase Days where we invite a number of high-profile investors again, across angel groups as well as tier one VCs um, to participate and, and watch our startups pitch, basically. We, is, you know, we, we organize it such that it's a very efficient and, and entertaining day for people to not just sit and watch their presentations, but also to network and to have an interactive Q&A. So we host um, a few of those events um, every single year to showcase some of our startups within our portfolio. So we, we, we also have a community actually called Hatch that we recently launched, which is a community of entrepreneurs um, or people within the ecosystem who would like to become founders or work in startups. So we host events around Hatch whereby we showcase some of our 
companies within our portfolio who are hiring um, or indeed offer up to those people who may be interested in roles within Founders Factory itself. So we try to nurture that community so that the ecosystem or at least the participants who are interested in the, in, in the startup world can get access to some of those. So we talked about your expansion plans and obviously uh, you, you're trying to go to other countries. Any other plans or milestones that you're trying to reach this year or the year uh, after? We have big plans for Founders Factory, actually. Uh, we have always have had too much to do and you know we're, we're, not, we're not stopping, right? So I think if we roll back, we are in business for four and a half years now. We have 120 companies within our portfolio. Uh, we are in three locations right now. And I think from that perspective, we will continue to grow. We will continue to be adding 50 companies a year to our portfolio, at least in the UK um, and more in South Africa. Um, and France as well. Uh, we will be uh, launching in other international locations and there will actually be other initiatives that we are thinking and working on right now within the Founders Factory eco- uh, ecosystem that will help the startups and the portfolio companies that we're bringing through. So stay tuned. We'll, we'll, make more, we'll be making more announcements. Can you share some success stories of the startups that you worked with and of course in particular related to fintech or insurtech? I think, you know, with early stage venture, it's, it's probably still too early to tell, you know, again, you know, we've, we've been in business for four and a half years. So as you know, with early stage startups, until you get to the years seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, you rarely see many fruits. But, you know, we have seen a few of our companies getting fantastic funding uh, from some of the top investors. Uh, most recently, we have a blockchain-based uh, residential mortgage solution and getting £5 million from Aviva Ventures. We also have another incubator company uh, that focuses on intelligent robotics within the restaurant sector, uh, getting £7 million from Ocado. And I think from a fintech perspective, there are a few areas that we've been tracking quite closely. Most recently, we have come across companies where it's within the wealth management space, and obviously it's very well done already uh, by the likes of Nutmeg or various kind of robo-advisory players. But these guys are trying to solve the problem where, let's say, uh, combining the best of both worlds uh, between robo and human, right? So they're essentially trying to build the Babylon Health for wealth management. And I think, you know, if we're able to combine these expertise and combine these components from both the human element and the AI element, then I think uh, these could be a quite unique uh, solution for the for the wealth management in, in industry as well. We've also seen um, uh, players or startups who are starting to focus on the big data front uh, in terms of by collecting and analyzing and being able to access certain subsets um, uh, or categories of data around you as a consumer in terms of a financial profile of yourself. They will be able to essentially uh, feed those data back and insights back into, for example, insurance companies who will be able to, let's say, price uh, insurance policies or premiums accordingly to you personally, depending on your risk profile, based on your lifestyle, based on your preferences, uh, based on uh, your history of, let's say, credit scoring, um, as well as purchasing behavior, for example. All right, great. So thank you, Calvin. My last question is a, a tradition, I guess, already. What would you say to the aspiring entrepreneurs or investors or corporate partners that would like to uh, do stuff with you? Where do they find you? What's the best way to do that? 
I think the best way to find us is obviously through our website. But of course, we are always happy to take introductions and referrals. And of course, you can find my contact details here and feel free to get in touch. Thank you so much, Carla. Thank you.